first weekend with no NFL going back to August. I will be honest with you and tell you I'm okay with it. (laughs) I'm okay with it. Football has hijacked my life since August. I'm fine with waiting through this weekend to get to the Super Bowl. Um, And so we've got one big game left. There is the Shrine Bowl taking place this weekend if you're into. It's kind of a college all-star game if you're into the scouting and preparing for the draft. Really, uh, other than the football peeps, and a lot of them will end up there, but other than the football peeps who are in Las Vegas already for the Pro Bowl and it's kind of skills weekend, uh, the Mannings being the captains of the AFC and the NFC, The majority of the football business right now is taking place in Mobile, Alabama, talking scouts and coaches and general managers of all types, uh, watching what they see and actually participating, too. Uh, You may have seen some of the videos of NFL head coaches in these practices on the field helping to guide uh, some of the the all-star college players who've been invited uh, to this East-West Shrine Bowl. So that's taking place this weekend, though obviously it's not a... It's an exhibition. It's not a real game. And it's not NFL necessarily, though they could be future stars of the NFL. And yes, the Pro Bowl skills competition is taking place. I don't know that I'll watch it. I sometimes forget because I haven't watched the Pro Bowl in so long. Uh, It's, it's, I don't know, it's become kind of gimmicky and just not really something I'm interested in. Um, However, they are tweaking it to try to make it as entertaining and fun as possible. And there are a lot of athletes who are getting into it. Uh, So yeah, when I say uh, there's no real football this weekend, David replies with what about the flag football pro bowl? That sounds to me a lot like the NBA all-star game where they're not playing any defense. And I don't know, just not, just not my cup of tea. The only all-star game I ever watch is the baseball all-star game because they have to actually uh, participate in all facets and all phases of the game. Otherwise, they would never get done. So they have to pitch and they have to catch and they have to play defense and they have to get outs. Otherwise, we, it would, we'd be there forever. Um, so it, it actually resembles a real game more closely than any of the other all-star festivities. So not much into the all-star stuff. Uh, however, I may check it out. We'll see what else I have going on. I have got to finish a blog post this weekend uh, to share with you some big news that I have uh, brewing for this spring. That'll be a lot of fun. Um, and also plan to have some food with some friends and uh, teach my kiddos at church and do a movie night and maybe, maybe, I suppose I should vacuum, do a little cooking, maybe pre-Super Bowl meal planning, you know, just kind of goofy stuff that normal people do on weekends when they don't have to spend 16 hours watching football. (laughs) As long as there's food. As long as there's food. Thank you, Mac Jones. We are on the same page. We'll do an edition of QB News coming up in, ah, we'll call it under 15 minutes because we did hear from both Patrick Mahomes as well as Jalen Hurts uh, and then others too. Um, Lamar Jackson, a lot of conversation around Lamar Jackson. And while we didn't hear from him specifically, one of his teammates is speaking out, stumping for Lamar to get the big contract from the Ravens. Uh, We also had Derek Carr speaking about his future in Las Vegas because he's leaving Las Vegas, but not yet. That's where the Pro Bowl competition is taking place. And the owner of the Carolina Panthers did an interview on Sirius XM NFL radio. And he actually is 
I'm giving you the job description, if you will, for their QB search. It certainly sounds like, and I I guess things can change. It sounds like Sam Darnold is not going to be on that roster next year, but, you know, they may decide they want to have uh, a, a veteran, a veteran of sorts, someone who's been there. It's just it's going to be a completely different system. So I, I don't know. This is a tough spot for Frank Reich. And David Tepper is clearly involved in what they do with the quarterback position. They stew, they, they stew, they still do have Matt Corral, uh, who hasn't played all year, and how different things could have looked if Matt had been available this season. No doubt he would have taken over the quarterback position, or I'm pretty confident he would have, similar to say what Kenny Pickett did in Pittsburgh, and would have a bunch of reps under his belt now. Um, and so, yeah, there, there's a lot of different quarterback questions in the offseason. Just not the idea, or you don't have to ask the question of whether or not Aaron Rodgers will be heading to the Bay Area, where he's from. So going back to the Bay Area to quarterback the Niners. Hi, Aaron. Hi, Cole. Got any news you want to share with us? Not going to San Fran. (laughs) You look great with a cowboy star on your helmet. Wait, I thought the Cowboys had a quarterback. Wow, that's Cole Harvey, who's a reporter, right? For That was uh, CBS Sports Network. So he's a reporter for CBS, or is he? No, I'm assuming that was on air, so it has to be. Anyway, <clears throat> that was Cole Harvey, and he was talking to Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron comes back with the, I'm not going to the Niners. And then Cole responds as, you look really good with a star on your helmet. I mean, I'm sure Dak Prescott will appreciate that. How much you want to bet his phone blew up not long after that? Hey, there's this reporter. I bet uh, some of his teammates or family members had choice words for the reporter. There's this reporter who wants Aaron Rodgers to replace you in Dallas. I mean, that that is no doubt that didn't that got back. Just what he needed, right? After the yes. tough season lost, everyone's questioning him. Now he needs Aaron Rodgers to go. Uh, not even, not it wasn't even Aaron Rodgers who said it, but of course, since he was involving him, I don't know. Of course, that got back to Dak. I would think. Here's my only question: Are we sure that was Cole Harvey? Because I can't see it, but I thought I had seen it earlier on TV. This was a CBS Sports Network broadcast at the. Pebble Beach Pro-Am, but Cole is with a different network. So I I just want to make sure we have the credit right. That's why I'm asking if we could figure out where that came from, just so I know uh, that we credit right. That's that's my only thing. Maybe it wasn't Cole Harvey. Uh, Maybe it was someone else. Um, Just want to make sure that we've got it correct. If you want to look that up, just to be sure, Jay. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio, on Twitter, A-Law Radio, also on our Facebook page. Uh, Didn't put a post up yet on Twitter, but I will put a post up on Twitter here uh, asking you, because I already jumped the gun and put it up on Facebook, what you plan to do with your non-football weekend. So no NFL this weekend for the first time since August. I did throw in my few there, because like I said, I'm. it's not that I dislike football, not that I uh, don't recognize how good football is for business. However, it does become all-consuming during the season, and I do not mind that it's a quieter weekend with time to focus on other things. 
But will you use your extra hours on other sports? Will you use your extra hours to plan your Super Bowl blowout? Uh, maybe it curl up in a fetal position. Okay, there's some of you that are already going through withdrawals, like our friend Janet on Facebook. Uh, maybe you'll take advantage of the time to get out and have fun. Boom. Uh, whatever your plans, of course, I always say this to you. I hope your weekend is exactly what you need. And so you can reply, let us know what you're up to. Uh, I was thinking about it this week because this is generally what happens post Super Bowl. We'll throw out a poll or we'll put up the question, what's your next big thing in sports, right? What, what is it that you're looking forward to next? Um, and then we get such a great variety of answers. Uh, but once we get through this weekend, we're only two months from the Masters, which always feels to me like the start of spring. March Madness is in there, too, obviously. We're over a month away from March Madness. Uh, hold on. Will you do me a favor? Because I feel like I looked at this before. The date for Selection Sunday. Google the date for Selection Sunday, please. Also, that was Colt, not Cole. My fault. I had the wrong guy, the wrong reporter. Colt Nost. Colt Nost on on uh, CBS Sports Network. Cole Harvey works for a different network, but I've seen him on TV a bunch here in my studio, so I, I wanted to make sure we confirmed. Jay. Selection Sunday is March 12th. I knew it. I knew it was exactly a month from the Super Bowl. So February 12th is the Super Bowl, and then Selection Sunday is a month later. <laughs> so yes, uh, I, I just know it's going to all start happening very fast. So on Twitter, A-Law Radio, also on our Facebook page, After Hours with Amy Lawrence. Love to know what your weekend plans are just for fun, because look, we can actually talk about something other than a game football game. There's plenty of hoops going on this weekend as the NBA uh, and college basketball continue to make their way through what is the throes of winter. Yeah, lots of good college basketball conference matchups that are taking place now and conference tournaments. They're on the horizon. The NBA is getting closer to its uh, all-star break, yes, but trade deadline too. Um, In case you didn't know, we're now inside of a week to the NBA trade deadline. Uh, And there's a lot of teams positioning a lot of players who believe they're going to get moved. And so you're starting to hear more and more chatter. Be careful what you see and hear. Uh, Meanwhile, the teams are technically past the midway point, but don't get that break until the all-star game. And in the Western conference, it feels like there's this major jostling among these teams that are all kind of grouped together in a big crowd right around 500. They go up, then they go down, they gain a game, then they lose a game. The Warriors are right in that mix. High left side as Bruce Brown throws it off over to Jamal Murray. Murray gets a pick from Nikola Jokic. Stutter step in a drive. Looped it to Jokic. Floaters up and in. Break out the goggles again, I say. 124 to 109 Denver. Brown throws it off over to Jokic. Hands it off to Murray. Murray turns the corner. Gets down the lane. Left-handed layup is up and in. Jamal Murray, 33 points in the game. Timeout called by the Golden State Warriors. That is Jason Kosmicki on Nuggets Radio. And in the third quarter was when Denver really created the separation, uh, outscoring the Warriors 35-22. to And once again, you've got not just a Jamal Murray who can get hot and shoot the lights out, uh, but you've also got a Nikola Jokic, 22 points, 16 assists, 14 rebounds, yet another triple-double. Yoke's bring a lot of attention, and guys are feeding off that. And uh, like I said, we're not hesitating. You know, we're making teams pay. 
That's Jamal Murray, who had 33 in this game. Uh, meanwhile, for the Warriors, they fall back to 500. Uh, Steph Curry, 28 points, five rebounds, five assists. Mostly optimistic in terms of who we're capable of being, knowing you know, flashes that we've shown throughout the season, but very aware that we got to figure some stuff out. So somewhere right in between. I feel like everybody, uh, including the vets, the core, needs to play better, more consistently. Uh, some of the other questions around, you know, our rotations and our defensive mindset, and just our focus on that front, we have to address that and continue to hold ourselves accountable. But if everybody raises their level of play just a little bit, you know, and that's why I'm optimistic. I feel like we can do that. We still good. We still can't switch everything up. I know it's just gonna take a little minute. You know, as long as we stay together and just stay positive. I feel like we're right there. We're not. We're not far. So Steph Curry then followed by Jonathan Kaminga. No Clay Thompson in this game, so they're still being careful with him. Uh, though he would go all out all the time. Uh, so yeah, the Warriors fall back to 500. They're at 26 and 26. And to to illustrate what I mean about the teams that are all right around 500, uh, he, th- this goes all the way up to the fourth place team. By the way, Sacramento is the third place team in the West. But it, everything's so tightly bunched in the West. It truly is the Wild West. The Mavericks are in the fourth place spot in the West. They're three games above 500. The Clippers. Also three games above 500. The Timberwolves, two games above 500. The Suns, one game above 500. Same record as the Jazz, also one game above 500. The Warriors are at 500. The Pelicans are one game below 500, as are the Blazers. And then the Lakers are three games below 500. So you're talking about from the number four team in the West to the number 12 team in the West, separated by five games. So... Something's got to give. Something's got to break. And here teams are roughly at 52 games in the season, meaning they've logged 52 games. There's 82 overall. So as I say, the All-Star break is not the middle. They've played a lot of basketball. They've gone on a lot of road trips. Uh, It's been a grind. Uh, you got guys who really, they really relish that time off, and then they kind of gear up, and they get ready for what's to come, the the stretch, because it happens fast. You get back from the all-star break, it's the trade deadline, and then, uh, boom, you've got, what, think about it now, 52, thinking maybe like three more games, 55. So you're talking about 27 games through the rest of uh, the season. So, yeah, it really does start to pick up and go quick. So hearing from you on Twitter, A-Law Radio, and again, also on our Facebook page coming up, we've got QB News to dot the football landscape. Is it okay to say now happy Friday? I know not everybody is officially into their Friday, but a lot of us are. And if you're still technically on your Thursday or you're still awake on your Thursday, how about we just call it a Friday mode? Friday vibes, if you will. It's a free-for-all Friday with... <laughs> Yes, with all of the vibes. Could You guys would turn off the radio if I did that. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence yeah! <laughs> on CBS Sports Radio. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. Hurry back to throw. And it is. Is it tossed? Oh, my goodness, it's tossed. DeAndre Hopkins caught it. Back from under center. Steps back. Throws the fade. Cooper Cup's got it. Touchdown, LA. Burrow 
back to throw. Looking, firing deep go. for Chase in the end zone. Oh, He's yeah. got it! Yeah. Touchdown! Yeah. Joe Burrow and the Bengals! Mahomes fires for the end zone, caught! Touchdown, Kansas City! And off to Hector again. No, Herbert keeps it, end zone, touchdown! Chargers! Herbert with his second of the day. Here's the snap. Josh going to keep it himself and run it again inside the five. Into the end zone. Touchdown, Buffalo. Josh Allen, nine-yard touchdown run. The Bills respond and then some. It's time for QB News on After Hours. Hey, hey. No real football this weekend. And no, we're not going to preview the Pro Bowl flag football game. However, there is one more massive football event on the horizon. If you don't believe me, uh, wait until I tell you the ratings from Championship Sunday. Well, and the AFC obviously was tight down to the wire until literally the final second. So the the viewership, the numbers were were astronomical. And that's just the setup for what's to come this Super Bowl weekend. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. Jalen Hurts will be quarterbacking the Eagles in their third Super Bowl appearance. They won going back to 2017. Uh, This is an opportunity for a brand new group of guys, right? Nick Sirianni's second year, uh, pretty much the entire, well, not the entire team, but a lot of the offense specifically has turned over. A couple of offensive linemen in there, Uh, but it's a, a new culture. This is a new era of the Eagles that has orchestrated by Howie Roseman and they believed in Jalen Hurts they believed that he was their franchise QB the right man for the job and now he and his offense have got to figure out how to find success against the Chiefs and their defense you just have to go out there and do kind of what we've um, done all year just go out there and try and execute at a high level you know we know we have a huge challenge in front of us with what they do on defense and um, their front seven and how active they are up front, but we want to just go out there and kind of play clean. Nick Saban was a guest on the 33rd team, and if that sounds familiar, Jade McCarthy, my guest on last night's show, she works with the 33rd team. They've got such incredible connections all over college and pro football. Nick was a guest Thursday to talk about his former QB at Alabama, Jalen Hurts. Jalen is defined by his commitment to his development. Now, if you understand the history of this player, he went 26 and two here as a starter, bought into everything in the program and got beat out and went through a whole season after being 26 and two as a starter of being a backup player. And we had a conversation, I always meet with the player's strength, weaknesses, where you need to work on. And he wanted to graduate from Alabama, so he wasn't going to transfer until he graduated. He did that, but then he went and did his grad work at Oklahoma, where he had an extra year to work in an awesome offense for Lincoln Riley with the Sooners, and from there, uh, moving forward to the NFL. So this is a guy had a lot of smarts, got incredible training, and look, look what happens when you put weapons around him like he has. Nick Bolton of the Chiefs defense recognizes Jalen is not just a running quarterback. He can do both. He's a dual threat. He can throw. I think he does a great job of trying to help extend plays. Uh, his eyes are downfield still, uh, trying to throw the ball to his wide outs. Um, they come back to the ball a lot uh, to give him a chance on um, scrambles. And also, just whenever he knows when to uh, pull the ball, give the ball, and zone read football, untouch the perimeter again, put a lot of, a lot of pressure on the, on the DNs and our perimeter guys to make tackles out in space. 
You probably heard some of these numbers, but it bears repeating. These are Eagles, or specifically Eagles run game. Nerd alerts. Jalen Hurts has 15 rushing touchdowns this season. That breaks Cam Newton's record going back uh, more than a decade for most in a single season by a quarterback in NFL history. It does include include the playoffs. So, yes, 15 rushing touchdowns, but... Get this, it's not even half of what the Eagles have logged this season, including the playoffs. Most rushing touchdowns by any team in a single season in league history. 39 rushing touchdowns. So Jalen Hurts had 15. The Eagles had 39. They've had seven in the playoffs alone against the Giants. And then last week against the San Francisco 49ers. But yes, Nick is correct. They can also throw the ball. Think about the weapons. A.J. Brown's only been targeted Wait, targeted maybe, I think he has eight catches in the playoffs so far. We know Devontae Smith is phenomenal, can catch anything you throw up to him, except for if it's on fourth down, he hits the ground, and well, you know. uh, They've got a lot of guys, Dallas Goddard, in the passing attack, but they are a run-first ball control team. They want to keep it away from Patrick Mahomes. Oh, hey, Patrick Mahomes. The Eagles' defense has definitely changed. You've seen a lot of improvements from last season. Remember, the Chiefs and Eagles met last year and it was a blowout in Kansas City or for Kansas City. They have a great defensive coordinator, first off. Um, uh, he, he does a lot of different things. Uh, their scheme has evolved because of the players that he has. Um, they have great all-pro, pro bowlers at every single level. Um, and so they continue to add talent, man. And uh, they have a lot of great players, veteran players, and mixed with young players. And, I mean, they're, they're one of the number – and I don't know if they're number one, but they're one of the top defenses in the league for a reason. Um, and uh, they get after the quarterback, so it'll be a great challenge for us um, to go out there and try to have some success. We know that this Eagles defense also set a record. How about that? A record-setting offense, a record-setting defense – Four guys with at least 10 sacks. They want to pressure the quarterback behind D coordinator Jonathan Gannon, who Patrick Mahomes mentions. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio. Obviously, with pressure comes the ability to or the need to, and Pat definitely has this ability, elude the quarterbacks, elude the pressure, sidestep in the pocket, move up and back and around until you have either a crazy sidearm throw a shovel pass to one of your receivers uh, up tight or you can find a receiver deep like he did last week with MVS remember not his first option not his second option but Marquez Valdez Scantling on the post route turns around and Patrick found a window but that of course means you got to put pressure on that high ankle sprain so how's it feeling Pat I just was generally sore, I think, from the game. and It was a physical game. I mean, my whole body was a little sore. So uh, I don't think I had any step backwards or anything like that. I know, like, re-aggravation of the ankle, um, just uh, the general the little bit of pain I had playing with it. Uh, but other than that, I feel like I'm in a good spot. He was a full participant in practice on Thursday. They're obviously still in each of their respective cities, uh, Philadelphia and Kansas City. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio. Uh, We'll pivot a little bit here, but stay in the AFC West, where one of the 
one of the teams that was expected to challenge the Chiefs for preeminence in that division fell flat. In the first year with Josh McDaniels as the head coach, the Derek Carr passing numbers, the passing attacks, some of the worst numbers of his career. General Manager Dave Ziegler, obviously part of the decision to send Derek Carr away. He was banished from the Raiders locker room because he's such a big distraction. Uh, late in the year, the idea being that they didn't want him to get hurt because it would make him more untradeable or not as attractive as a, a tradable commodity. Now, Ziegler is not in Las Vegas. He's in Mobile, Alabama for the Senior Bowl, but he was speaking to Sirius XM NFL about potentially trading Carr. Here this week at the Senior Bowl, obviously everybody's here, and so, uh, you know, this this is a good time to have those conversations. You know, there's going to be people interested in Derek Carr. There's, there's no there's no doubt about that. Um, you know, he's, he's, you know, been a good football player in this league for, for quite some time, and like I said, he's a phenomenal human being, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll kind of just see where it goes. Funny, you call him a phenomenal human being, but you sent him away and made it sound like he agreed that he could potentially be a distraction. That's gross. The way they treated David Carr, I or da, whoops. Well, David Carr got mad too. The way they treated Derek Carr uh, is is wrong. He has meant so much to that franchise for so long. And you think about the leadership going back to everything that happened in 2021 and how instrumental he was with Rich Bisaccia in, in keeping that team on track and leading it to a playoff spot. Uh, he's not been the problem. The Raiders have had a, a porous defense. They've had a soft defense for years now. I know it didn't look like it fit with the Josh McDaniels offense, but the way they treated him by essentially sending him away because they didn't want him to get hurt. We haven't heard a whole lot from Derek Carr, but you know he's very emotional. He loves the Raiders. He wanted to be a Raider for life. They treated him poorly. And so he hasn't spoken out much, but he's there at the Pro Bowl in Vegas. I'm grateful for everyone that reached out that wanted to give me the platform to share my side, you know. Um, but... Uh, I just don't feel like I should, you know. Um, I'm just going to continue to hold my head up. I'm going to continue uh, to speak graciously to everybody and about everybody because um, I don't have anything bad to say. And so, um, you know, there's things that obviously, you know, the hardest part about being human is that you want to share and you want to make everything right and all that kind of stuff, but it's not going to fix anything, you know. Um, so for me, um, I'll just let it be what it is and I'll just keep loving people and give my, my next city my best. Yet another reason why I'm such a big fan of Derek Carr. You know, he's very emotional. I tease sometimes about the fact that he cries a lot. I do say real men cry. Taking the high road. That is the very definition of taking the high road. And I can say, uh, I'll be honest here, in light of some recent disappointments, I've not necessarily taken the high road uh, with family and friends. I've, I've not always kept my negative thoughts to myself uh, and so I appreciate that Derek Carr is setting an example and he makes me realize that I could do better so thank you Derek not going to tell his side of the story at least not publicly also on NFL Network he was asked about moving on from the Raiders I'm thankful for my time here in Las Vegas and in Oakland um, and I'll always be thankful and grateful but it comes a time when it's just it's time to move on and 
um, that's this time. And so um, I'm excited. Can't wait to see where God takes us next. I'm going I'm to give that city everything that I have. Um, but for for just one more time, you know, I get to represent the Raiders. And, uh, you know, I'm excited to do that for our fans and uh, to get to say goodbye in our stadium. Uh, didn't know how what, what my next time in the stadium would be, but for it being the fourth Pro Bowl, that's a pretty good time. <laughs> yeah, it is. How about that? The Pro Bowl's in Vegas, so one more time he gets to rep the Raiders. The management can't take that away from him. Upper-level management can't banish him and cause say he's going to be a distraction at the Pro Bowl. <laughs> it's After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio. A little more QB news here, also in the AFC, because there will be a big QB chessboard once we're done with the Super Bowl. Marlon Humphrey, one of Lamar Jackson's Ravens teammates, stumping for his QB. He absolutely deserves what he asks from the franchise. Based off what he's told us, um, as far as teammates, what he says in the locker room, how he carries himself, I think he'd love to be a Raven. Now, obviously, different things got to happen with contract and everything. You know, he's a guy that deserves highest paid money. So how he handles that and everything, uh, I think will be interesting. But um, I would love to have him back. Great teammate, humble guy. So hopefully everything in the front office can get uh, can get that all together. Marlon Humphrey on NFL Network, one of the cornerbacks for the Ravens. Um, the problem is the last two seasons have ended with him hurt. And we know that this has been one of the concerns with Lamar. And with a quarterback, any quarterback, who runs as much as he does, he gets hit a ton. He doesn't always get the calls because he runs so often that that it, he doesn't. He And I'm not saying it's fair. I'm just saying he doesn't get as many calls as quarterbacks who stand in the pocket or prefer to stand in the pocket. And so he's getting banged up. He gets a lot of contact. There's already a lot of miles on him. He wants guaranteed money for obvious reason. Everybody does. I want guaranteed money too. But are the Ravens going to balk at giving him a contract along the lines of a Deshaun Watson? I mean, I agree he's more accomplished than a Deshaun Watson, uh, but that's not the only concern here. Will they franchise tag him to give them more time and then trade him? There are teams around the league who are saying that they will be interested in trading for Lamar Jackson. The Ravens will have options. It just it would be stunning because they've said all this time that Lamar was their priority and they've had years right to try to get this done. It smacks a little bit of what happened in Dallas when Jerry Jones and and the brass for the Cowboys kept saying Dak's our quarterback, Dak's our quarterback. But there were the franchise tags; they couldn't get a deal done. Finally, they caved and gave him what he wanted. So, how will the Ravens handle this with Lamar Jackson? All right, one being more. Being a billionaire and being a champion. <laughs> That's how they're going to handle it. Being a billionaire, being a champion. Those are his two priorities. Uh, One more, and this is uh, over in the NFC. We know that the Carolina Panthers have started fresh with Frank Reich. Kind of funny, uh, for those of you who know Boomer Esaias, and he and Frank room together at Maryland, they're they're BFFs. And Boomer said on his show in New York on uh, Thursday morning, Frank's so busy, I haven't heard from him in a week, which apparently is a a big deal, right? So uh, Frank is busy. Frank's got to put his staff together, and they've got some questions at quarterback. Panthers owner David Tepper shares his feelings about what they need to do about that position. You have to remember what we do have on the roster. Uh, You know, we drafted Matt Corral last year. You know, PJ is still on our uh, roster. Yes, PJ. Sam Darnold actually played well for us, uh, you know, at times this year. He's he's got a ton of talent. He's a free agent, so we'll have to make some decisions there. But, uh, yes, we do have to be very much aligned. What are we looking for? Uh, what type of offense are we going to run? And then 
I know uh, Frank and the staff will be able to adapt to that player's you know traits, but we, there is a certain you know threshold that we'll want you know from a from a physical standpoint and uh, process. Am I the only one who think he's being a little bit disingenuous there? Just a, a little bit. The Matt Corral piece I agree with. And yes, P.J. Walker is a good veteran to have in your locker room. Though the system's all changing. That's the thing. It's I'm not sure how much knowledge of the franchise is going to help moving forward. Um, but <laughs> the whole Sam thing. and I mean, come on. No. Well, I, maybe they bring him back. But to compete as a starter? No way. David Tepper would not allow that because he's seen two years of Sam Darnold and he brought in Frank because he's a former NFL QB, former Panthers QB himself. They want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. They need some answers there at, uh, I, sorry, I just, I lose my head sometimes, especially when it's a Friday morning. See you guys on Monday. Baker Baker. <laughs> Jay was saving that. He knew we were going to talk about the Panthers. He was saving Baker's revenge. The Baker's revenge. They always come back. <laughs> oh, you just had to ruin it. He sounds so creepy in that cut. He sounds so creepy. I like it in the Rams locker room. I'm home. Did he say something about, I'm home. I'm finally home. But obviously, he's a free agent. He has no home. He's a quarterback without a country right now. No, oh, man. That's the way to fight for the... <laughs> hey, I'm Get happy you, to be home, man. <laughs> yeah! Come on! One, three, one, two, three. Bam! <laughs> it was Baker's revenge. Come on, that that game he led the Rams back was it Monday Night Football? Yes. Oh, fantastic! He'd been on the roster for like ten minutes. That was the best game of his career. <laughs> Got him. Career of moment. <laughs> All right, a little bit of QB news. Uh, we kid because we care. Find me on Twitter, ALL Radio. Also on our Facebook page, After Hours with Amy Lawrence. If you did not know, LeBron James and the Lakers were in action last night. He inches closer to Kareem's scoring record. So we'll give you the latest. And, and also, I mean, I got nothing better to do next week than just watch LeBron play basketball. That's it. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. <laughs> Lakers by one, five seconds remaining. Nebhart having trouble getting it in, now gets it into Heel. Heel trapped in the corner, throws it up. In and out, no good. Rebound Anthony Davis, the game is over. The Lakers win it, 112-111. This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. John Ireland on Lakers radio. Lakers hang on for the win. Actually did not take the lead until a LeBron triple with about two and a half minutes to go. Uh, and the Pacers fans actually were, maybe they'd call themselves Lakers fans on this occasion. The fans there in Indianapolis were egging LeBron on to take shots from deep. So a lot of what he was doing during this game uh, on Thursday night was driving to the hoop. That's what they needed. That's where he saw the advantage. He kind of put his head down and, was just drive into the rim, and and he's a he's a bull still, bull in a china shop still, um, and that's a compliment. He's 
obviously very strong and still can pretty much have his way against most defenders. So he's going to the hoop a bunch, but the fans in the auditorium or the arena were encouraging him to shoot. So he, he does, he hits a triple and Oh, the Lakers get their first lead. So be careful what you ask for Pacers fans. (laughs) It's after hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS sports radio. This is not the story you're waking up to on Friday morning. We'll get to that at the top of the hour. Oh, you Cleveland Cavaliers fans, we're on your side. At the risk of sounding like a first grader, Dylan Brooks definitely started it. Anyway, we'll get to that after the top of the hour. Uh, But LeBron James with 63 points left to overtake Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for the all-time scoring record. Uh, Just as a reminder, they've got one more game on the road. So this is an extended road trip for them. It's been about a week or so. Um, And they will be... In New Orleans on Saturday, then head back to L.A. where he plays Tuesday. He plays where the Lakers play Tuesday and Thursday. Not that anybody else on the roster matters uh, those two games. Unless he scores 63 on Saturday in New Orleans, which I dare say he will not do. He's capable of it. Most guys at that level are capable of it. But you can imagine he wants to do it. In Hollywood, bright lights, big city, all the celebrities, the average ticket costing well over $1,300. Yeah, that feels more like LeBron's style to me. Uh, So he's got two games in L.A. next week. And, uh, I mean, that's what we're going to be doing next week. I'm not sure how you're going to be spending your time. 38,325 points is where LeBron sits right now. I think it's one of the greatest records um, in sports in general. I think it's up there with... The home run record, um, you know, in baseball, um, it's just one of those records that um, you just don't ever see or think that would be broken, you know. And then you you end up seeing guys, you know, you, you had Hank Aaron that had it for so long, and then you you see the guys, the likes of like Sammy and Mark McGuire and those guys, you know, start climbing that. It was like, oh man, this thing can really this thing can really happen. You know, and you start really watching it and paying attention to it, and you seeing Sammy and Martin McGuire go to the uh, go up the bat, and you like they got a chance to knock it out every single time. You know, and it was a, it was a fun for me as a as a sports person. It was fun watching those guys just go up the bat and, and chase it. So, um, I mean, I grew up being a historian of all sports and understanding, you know, that I didn't I don't have the number like planted in my head the, the actual real number I know it's 38 something but I know it's been Kareem in my whole life um, so um, it's pretty cool it's pretty cool LeBron James waxing poetic and, and we'll hear more from him he's always been a student of history and to be fair he's always been very cognizant of his place in history and wanting to carve out his own place in history he's always very cognizant of the debate over who's the greatest there's no, there's no denying that with LeBron. That is very much a part of his game, uh, is that he wants to be the greatest. Uh, he always measures himself against those uh, who would be held up as the gold standard, like Kareem, like Michael Jordan. Uh, and Jordan's got the rings. Kareem's got the scoring title. Uh, LeBron's not, I shouldn't say not, never say never, not likely to catch Le- uh, Michael Jordan when it comes to the championships. 
um, but definitely would have uh, ascended to the king, uh, to be the king and to the top of the mountain. Uh, so that is likely to happen next week. We shall see. The Lakers, meanwhile, uh, they did win this game, but they've fallen a few games below 500. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio. As I say, uh, there was a brouhaha that you're waking up as the top story in sports on this Friday morning. Uh, let's see, what else? Luka Doncic has a bruised heel, probably not a serious injury, but I know Mavericks fans I uh, don't want to hear about him getting hurt. We've got a little more on the football horizon. And if you missed my conversation with Mike Pritchard, this was awesome. Mike joined us from Las Vegas, not to talk about the Pro Bowl. Uh, Mike's a former NFL wide receiver and a name dropper extraordinaire, as I've found out. Played with John Elway, played against Deion Sanders. Oh, okay. Uh, and so we had a chance to really pick his brain. It was great. It's not a, an extremely busy night in sports. And so we were able to talk to him for a few extra minutes about everything from Jay, what would you say was your favorite part of it? We talked Dion because Mike Pritchard is a Colorado. Hall of Famer, so an athletic Hall of Famer there. So he's a, a strong opinion about Dion taking over as the Buffalo's head coach. What else? I think Sean Payton and how he'll work with Russell Wilson is a fascinating storyline that or, I'm looking forward to. Or not, actually. Or He's, not, He right. said there is some concern about uh, whether or not there might be a power struggle. So, yes, that was also really interesting because the Broncos are one of his uh, previous teams or one of his teams that he played for in the NFL. Uh, and, and I didn't know this. He roomed with Ed McCaffrey, and so now he's very close to the McCaffrey family, and now Christian is tearing it up with the Niners, or was until the season ended. Uh, good stuff from him about Christian, the younger McCaffrey, who's a second-generation NFL alum. Uh, and we also talked about Tom Brady. We'll bring back a part of that conversation, not all of it, but a part of it. The rest you're going to have to go and find on the podcast. We post that link every weekday morning. That includes Friday uh, on our Facebook page or on our show Twitter, After Hours CBS. Also, with no real football this weekend, what are you going to do with yourself this weekend? It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio.